everybody, welcome back to another thrilling episode of Tim commenting last, Bonnie reading beautiful questions, Mike attempting to answer only to be clarified and strengthened by Bonnie's further expounding of his chaotic points. We're glad that you are tuning in. All right. Okay. Another question. Subject. Reformed Whoa. theology. Whoa! Bo, bo, bo. This is from someone yeah. named Sarah. Sarah. Sarah says, Hello. Hi, Sarah. I have been listening to your podcast for a while now and have been enjoying the controversial topics you navigate with generosity and grace. I hope so. I am a fairly, fairly liberal Christian, so it's great to have a space where I feel my thoughts have a voice. To my question... I've noticed something that's come up on your podcast several times, as well as other podcasts I listen to. There seems to be a general consensus that Reformed theology is getting something wrong. I personally belong to a Reformed church and am questioning a few of the practices, though we love the people and, um, and the teaching. I'd love to hear what exactly the issues could be with Reformed theology so I could do some digging myself. Because mm. I'm fairly liberal, I've come into conflict with some of the thoughts of people within my church. But it's the one place we've actually been able to hear sound teaching from the word versus mega church consumeristic Christianity. That's a fair point. I'd yep. very much like to hear your thoughts. Thank you so much. All right. Bonnie, why don't you start with that one? Well, I feel like I read that and I felt um, I would like to apologize um, to the reform community on behalf of myself. I... Um, I have theological issues with it, which we will obviously get to. But beyond that, my heart might not always be in the best place because I honestly have never come in contact with somebody who has reformed theologian, who has reformed theology that has been kind to me. And actually some of my worst moments of like trauma or something has come out of people that were very strict reformed theologians. So because of that, I have a hard time engaging in a way that is fruitful because mm. I obviously haven't fully let it go or forgiven it. Does that make sense? Which does oh, totally. beg the question, though, for me, the thing about the Reformed theology that's tough is that I do think it sometimes sort of breeds a, a very tight system of control. And it seems to be a set of beliefs um, that doesn't give room for mystery. Um, it doesn't give room for, to me, it's a small theology of love and God and grace and forgiveness. Um, but that's what I see. Um, again, though, I have trouble within those conversations. I'll just say. Right, 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 right. Excellent. So, okay, first of all, Bonnie... <laughs> I mean, thank you for being so freaking Our mailbags um, are becoming my therapy sessions, apparently. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. So, Can one so of couple... you take Reformed Theology yep, and I'm just gonna, nutshell I'm gonna, it? Okay. Yeah. I'm gonna, Tim. All right. So, um, so uh, first of all, um, when we're talking about labels like Reformed Theology or Calvinist theology, Armenian theology, um, I'm always suspicious that those boxes will never be big enough to encompass Jesus. Right. 
And, um, and so what we're trying to do when we have these theological systems is we're trying to make the best sense of the biblical data. And, um, and, in, and in my experience, and I, and, and I know this sounds totally lame, but I, I actually, I deeply believe it. when people say, hey, are you reformed? I say no. Or they say, are you Armenian? I say no. Um, I, I don't know that either of those is big enough right. to capture Jesus. I think both of them end up doing some violence to some texts that don't fit well. Um, and I know that's an easy, that can be seen as an easy cop out, but I've actually done some work on this. And, um, so, so instantly, uh, and, and the, I'm, I'm suspicious of the, the big label that covers, cause I mean, there are so many expressions of reformed theology. Some are super healthy. Some are really unhealthy, just like every theological system right. out there. So the, to, to answer Tim's point, uh, reformed theology is built on the five solas. S-O-L-A, a Latin word for alone. Um, and so they'll start with like the idea of scripture alone. And these came primarily from the Reformation, but they would argue they've been present. Oh, there's the tornado alarm Wednesday at noon, <laughs> every Wednesday at noon. There it is. Um, they would argue these have been present in the Catholic, you know, tradition, the Catholic tradition, meaning Catholic, not just the church, but the uh, apostolic tradition. Um, so they would just clarified in the Reformation, I think is what they would say. So they, they have five solas, five statements that kind of encapture uh, Reformed theology. Scripture alone, Christ alone, grace alone, faith alone, and uh, to the glory of God alone. And um, the idea is, you know, the medieval church uh, uh, was, you know, too, too reliant on tradition. So the Reformers emphasized uh, Scripture alone. Um, Christ alone was, um, you know, it's, it is his finished work. It is not the indulgences. It is not, uh, it's, it's only his work. We don't need priests. Uh, there's only one priest and that is the, the person of Jesus, right? Grace alone. It is not our efforts. It is not our view of the sacraments, right? So the reformer, I mean, it was, it was very much a, the introduction of Protestantism, Protestantism, um, into uh, the theological stream, right? As, as they were bringing needed corrections to some of the theology um, 500 years ago. Faith alone, that's, that's the basis of our justification. It's not by works. And God does all of this for his glory. It's not about us. It's not about our choice. Now, the five, the five solas work themselves out very often in something called tulip, which is the acrostic oh, that yeah. is used by the uh, by Calvinists, uh, named so named after John Calvin, um, a, a reformer, um, and uh, they they've kind of reduced uh, his thought to five basic points. Something called total depravity: we are totally and utterly depraved; we cannot save ourselves. Unconditional election: it is God's choice; it is God's sovereign choice that saves us, not a choice that we make. Limited atonement, if the previous point is true, if the previous two points are true, then Jesus only died for the what they would call the elect or those that are chosen. Irresistible grace, if you're chosen, you can't resist it. Um, you are chosen and there's nothing you can do about it. And then perseverance of the saints, once you're saved, you're always saved. All right, so that's that's kind of a bit of like the, the core of Reformed theology in a nutshell. The, the issues um, that I would have would both be in faith and practice. Um, I think that there were absolutely needed correctives 
to the um, some of the practice and theology of the medieval church. No question about it, right? And if you go through those and you're like, okay, scripture alone, um, yeah, but but I don't. I think what what we've learned over the last thirty years is that the scripture alone is never alone. So the Bible's never alone. It's been interpreted for you. It's been translated for you. Unless you're unless you're you know native speakers, you've maybe learned the original languages, but you certainly haven't practiced them. Hmm. Um, uh, you know, the, the, there is a great deal of theological lens that is applied to even our translations, and so you're never just reading the Bible alone, even in English, sitting by yourself. That is one of the worst hermeneutics, one of the worst ways to read the Bible. So I'm like, Scripture alone, yes. I would say the primacy of Scripture, absolutely, where it speaks clearly, absolutely. But man, reason has a place. Right. The community of God has a place. The leading of the Spirit has a place. And I think tradition has a place. Right. So again, how you would express this. When people get to Christ alone, man, amen. Amen. Grace alone, amen, baby. Faith alone, amen, baby. Right, glory to God. It depends what you mean by that. Um, we, we'll poke at that just a, in just a little bit, but it's the fact that you turn those statements into total depravity, unconditional election, <laughs> limited atonement, and irresistible grace. That's where I'm off the boat. Yeah, I don't. I don't. And again, I have so many good friends um, and people I deeply respect who who buy one version or another of this. So I will. I, but I'm just speaking. I'm just speaking against ideas. I'm not speaking against them. Right. There is a view of sovereignty embedded within the five points of Calvinism that I utterly and absolutely disagree with. Mm. It's called meticulous sovereignty, and it's the idea that everything that happens on the earth is God's will. To me, that is that is that is a that is a, a very severe corruption of uh understanding the ministry of jesus and um so so i i i get off the boat when um when people will say like john piper is a very popular reform thinker um you know this this hurricane that is happening right now that is that is god's will and that is god's punishment against x right um you know god and he'll they'll quote poetic passages from job or the psalms where god can control weather and it's like okay um, okay, but if God's will is done on earth, then why does Jesus tell us to pray that God's will would be done on earth as it is in heaven? Mm-hmm. Um, you know what I mean? I mean, I, there's the, the, I mean, the, the undercurrent of Jesus's teaching about warning people and exhorting people and Paul's teaching to choose Jesus. I mean, I, it just doesn't fit into that. Right. When you get into irresistible grace, I see people resisting grace all the time right. uh, in the scriptures. Now, I, now I'm re- responding simplistically to an oversimplification of their views, but I'm just trying to give you a handle on the 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 issue isn't the solas, right? Right. Um, the faith alone, Christ alone. No, 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 no. The issue is how those then get translated into a certain view of God's sovereignty that I totally disagree with. I think evil is real. I think Satan is real. I think demons are real. And I think those aren't those agents aren't controlled by God for His glory. I don't think rape happens for His glory. Mm-hmm. I don't think murder happens for His glory. God's will is in Genesis one and two, and in Revelation twenty one and twenty two. God's will is not in the rest of the Bible except as it's manifested through Jesus or at times his people. Right. You know what I mean? Yes. Then, then you get into the extrapolation of these solas into gender roles. 
uh, to the prohibition of women um, from teaching or any leadership, mm-hmm. any leadership, even in culture. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I think that's at odds with how Jesus practices. I think uh, sometimes the view of the sacraments in Reformed theology isn't consistent because um, you you have you do have variations between the Zwinglian th- stream of of the Eucharist and the Lutheran stream of the Eucharist. Um, I, so so I would I would quibble with with stuff like that. But the main arguments I would hold against Calvinism. Or a, um, it's it's a too tightly knit up system to do justice to Jesus. Yeah. B, the view of sovereignty presumed is simply not the view of sovereignty in the Bible. That's just not true. Um, and and that's when I I feel like you, you got to go to war on a little bit mm-hmm. because, um, I don't see and, and I mean I can hear all of the responses like, well look at Satan is serving God in the Book of Job. And I'm like, yeah, okay, so let's, that throne room scene super interesting there. Do you think that's teaching us about how the throne room works, really? Right. Or do you think that's doing something else? So uh, I, there's all sorts. The, the, the fundamental difference uh, is going to be around how we see sovereignty working itself out. Right. Um, does God control everything or not? I think clearly no. And if that's true, then I think it, human beings have free agency. Grace, grace can be resisted. I think Jesus assumes that in his ministry. I think that Jesus died for all and everybody sins. Absolutely. I do think it's possible uh, to deny your faith and and crush your heart to the point where you would no longer be considered saved. Absolutely. Um, I think that's <laughs> that's assumed um, even though I used to hold otherwise, I absolutely think that God does not pick and choose people to go to heaven. Um, I, I think that is at odds again with the teaching of Jesus and even Paul's thought. Now, and, and we've talked about election, right? Ele- this right. idea of predestination, that's about countries and nations and peoples. That's not about individuals. So I just think there's a great deal of misunderstanding in that thought. Now, if you find a play, having said all that, if you ever find a place where you agree with everything that's being taught, you should not go there. Right. <laughs> um, that is that that is that is the worst kind of echo chamber. Chamber. If you, uh, so I'm a, I'm a big fan of people sitting in tension with things they don't agree with, or with people that they don't agree with. I think that is beautiful, and that's the beauty of the new humanity as it's presented uh, by the Apostle Paul people that have nothing in common except Jesus sitting together. So I think that's a huge, huge deal. Um, so so sitting in a Reformed church but having questions, well, fantastic, have questions. How? At what point do they rise to deal breakers? Well, we have to reference other podcasts for that because we've talked about deal breakers before. Right. Um, but f- for for me, I wouldn't say there there's no reason why you would leave a church that you find nourishing and you find great connection with. Um, for several reasons. One, I like I said, I do think it's super helpful to be connected to people you don't agree with. Two, um, you can find the, the best teaching in the world on the internet. You don't, I don't think you ever need, you make a choice about a church based on teaching, right? You you can find anything yeah. uh, out there if, if it's all, if it's just a matter of learning. Um, and then, and then lastly, I don't think there's a, a theology that has it nailed. So I think there's always a very healthy sort of cognitive wrestling that we should be doing. Yeah. Um, and, and even, I mean, Bonnie, you're so, you know, you so um, vulnerably model that in your own 
you know, in your own journey. I mean, I, and I, I feel the same way, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we're not, it's, if you ever get to the point where you think you got it nailed, um, I think you become very much yeah. in trouble. Yeah. You got to kind of go back to the starting line. Yeah. So I don't know. I know that's a lot of me talking, but. Well, I want to say too, just because I haven't encountered non-combative reform theologians doesn't mean they're not out there. So I didn't mean to make oh, a they're... blanket statement because there are a lot. I just haven't encountered them. <laughs> yeah, 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 you did. Um, but I will say this to what she said about digging through the scriptures versus the consumeristic, consumeristic uh, megachurch model is um, that is something, of, I think, a fruit that does come out of the reform system is they're really big on like digging into the scripture and doing that. So mm-hmm. um, I would say that if she is questioning or wondering or wanting to dig in, that might be the best place to do it. Do you know what I mean? Like lots of resources, yeah. lots of like Absolutely. modeling that. And so that is a really good fruit of it, I would say. And and if the leadership there is willing to have gracious conversations right. about your questions, stay. Yeah. If they are not, flee. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's 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 that simple. Um, one of the surest signs of theological and spiritual immaturity is the inability to have gracious conversations with people uh, with whom you disagree. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I know this from personal experience as an immature man myself. So, um, so great question. Hope this was helpful. Tim, last word always go. <laughs> Bananas. And there you have it. Sports fans, ladies and gentlemen, Mike, Bonnie, and Tim trying to answer questions. Part was this part three. three. Okay. Someone's keeping track. Okay.